Hey everyone, welcome to episode 5 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. Each week we take one real life villain and one fictional villain, discuss their histories, their crimes, why they did it, any connections they may have, and whether they are redeemable or not with our trusty bowler hat scale. Um, Steven? Mm -mm, Steven, I don't know if you can hear this, bud. <laughs> oh my god. You know what I'm drinking right now, Steven? What are you drinking, Joel? That would be Spring Heel Jack Old Scratch, available at springheeljack.coffee. Plugging? Why you're plugging literally thirty seconds into the podcast? Jesus Christ! Listen, if I find a product that is so fucking good, no, seriously, I'm I'm legit. This is some good shit, and I feel like sharing it. And maybe we'll get some more. Maybe I'll get some free coffee. Yeah, maybe. I'm just saying. I'm Joel. Hello. <laughs> I'm Joel, corporate whore. <laughs> And this week, in celebration of May the 4th, which was a couple of days ago, and just Star Wars in general, I mean, I've been pretty pumped since the Rise of the Skywalker trailer came out, but uh, anyway, this week we're going to discuss some evil emperors. So that's right, we're going to start off talking about the malicious Mongol known as Genghis Khan, as well as the sadistic Sith, Dark Sidious, otherwise known as Emperor Palpatine. Alright, Joel, are you ready to do it? Yes, yes, do it. Execute, execute order podcast. <laughs> I told uh, one of my friends that we were doing this podcast, and she was like, seriously, y'all better say do it like a thousand times, so. Well, you know what? We should start, so let's do it. <laughs> Genghis Khan, born in, 11, <laughs> in 1162, his birth name is Timijun, which means blacksmith, was, uh pretty much the first conqueror of the modern world as we know it now. Yeah, the ultimate badass. And supreme libido master. He fucked like you and I breathe. We could fuck one person a day all year and not fuck as many people as he fucked. I don't want to do that. Well, no, me neither. Sounds exhausting. No, it sounds amazing. I prefer a little more. But that's because I'm lonely. But please continue, Stephen. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, really? Mmm, this coffee is good. Stop, stop this. <laughs> Alright, so Timujin was basically a monster from birth. <laughs> Hold on, Stephen, I just finished this mug right here. Let me grab this 24-ounce container of coffee that I have. Please continue. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. Basically a monster at birth, because apparently... Timujin, who, of course, you know, became known as Genghis Khan, he was born grasping a blood clot in his fist, which apparently is a traditional uh, Asian sign that he was destined to become a great leader. How fucking metal is that, though? <laughs> I feel like there has to be a song about clenching a blood clot in your fist. Theo had to have, on one of his, like, off nights where he's just writing, right before Holy Diver, he's just coming out and writing lyrics like... Grab a blood clot, and I'm gonna become a ruler, yeah! I will fuck all your women! Right! <laughs> no, that's not it. That's not it. Okay. <laughs> that's not the right ones, but, uh... Let's put a pin in that one. Let's put a pin in that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I could come up with something better, but... <laughs> There's not a whole lot known about his, like, very young age due to the lack of contemporary written records in the, in the late 1100s. But they do know that he had several brothers and sisters, and that, uh, honestly, he his dad had him in an arranged marriage, uh, and he was sent to the family that he was marrying into at age nine. Oh, 
Whenever you were talking uh, last week about Bonnie Parker getting married at 10, even though she got married at 15, you were joking that, you know, she should be married and have kids by 10. This kid was actually married at 12, and he was sent to live with his uh, with his new family at 9. That just had to be fucking weird, because you're looking at another 9-year-old girl, and you're just like, I guess we're going to fuck at some point. <laughs> Probably when we're 12. Uh, I can't tell if that would actually be like a helpful thing in marriage. Like, you know, as a kid, you kind of get used to the idea of not leaving and you have to live with this family and it's like it's drilled in your head. Or if that might inspire you to become a fuck hungry warlord who impregnates enough that 16 million people in the world share your fucking DNA. (laughs) I wonder which road he took. The road less traveled, but it was right for me. So it didn't really matter that he was sent off with his family because on the way home uh, from dropping him off, basically, his father died. Uh, he was poisoned by an enemy tribe who he thought they were giving him like food to help him on his journey home. But really, they were just giving him food to poison him. So they poisoned him and he died. So Temujin returned home to claim his father's position as chief. Uh, Because, of course, in uh, Asia at this time, specifically Mongolia, it was just all tribes. This is the late 1100s. This wasn't like, there wasn't a city or anything like that. These were all tribes of people. They had chiefs. They had uh, warriors, etc. And again, and again, if I can say, this is the most metal fucking life. He's nine. (laughs) He's got to go live with his future wife. His dad gets poisoned on the way home, now a nine-year-old must return home to claim his father's throne. <laughs> but he didn't. I mean, he sort of did. But uh, the rest of the tribe refused and left the family. So they were like, uh, okay, so fuck this family of kids. They're not going to lead us. We're going to break off from the family. Now this is the middle part of the concept album right here. The, ep- <laughs> the, the two or three songs about the betrayal and loss. Yeah, with soft piano in the background. <laughs> At this point, his, him and his brothers and sisters are living in poverty. They're eating fucking animal carcasses to stay alive. They're eating wild fruits. They're doing a little bit of hunting. And he was not the oldest. He had a uh, He had an older brother. And he and his younger brother and his older brother went out hunting together. And Temujin decided that he and his younger brother should just murder the shit out of his older brother. Because he was getting to the age where he could actually take on the role of chief. And try and get this tribe back together. So Temujin and his younger brother were like, fuck that. Let's stab him in his throat while we're out hunting. And who cares? This motherfucker is just... I've never done research on, like, a historical character whose life was so fucking hardcore. (laughs) This is from the age of 9 to 11. He is 11 years old. He is living in poverty, eating rotting corpses of dead animals, hunting, and then starts murdering his fucking brother. (laughs) And convict convinces by the power of the blood clot in the hand, his littler brother, his younger brother, who has absolutely no shot at fucking getting the throne, (laughs) to be like, you should help me kill him. Right. Or I smash your head with a rock. Okay, I didn't realize he was fucking Russian. (laughs) 
He's the most honorable for you to kill a brother. I will come back to Russia later because Russia actually does play an important part in the uh, the, the Mongol. They fuck the Russians. Right, right. No one fucks the Russians. The Russians fuck you. This guy is a metal. This man is the living embodiment of badass and metal. Yeah, basically. I get so excited about this fucker. Right after he murdered his brother, uh, he was actually captured by another tribe and tortured as a young child. Uh, but he escapes, and the escape gave him like notoriety around the area and other tribes. Um, and basically, at this point, he just went back and honored his arranged marriage. Like he was like, "Well, I'm 11, and I had just escaped death, but I, I have I have to live with honor and." And go back to this arranged marriage, and his wife, who I believe was named Bort, <laughs> it's I know it's not, <laughs> I know it's not Bort. It's spelled like Bort, <laughs> B O R T E. But uh, it just reminds me of that Simpsons episode where because <laughs> they're arguing about there not being enough Bort license plates at the amusement park. There is there <laughs> again. This man was a monster let's just be perfectly clear this man was a monster but he was an honorable monster an honorable monster he just got tortured there was no geneva convention it wasn't like a well hey guys 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 he's 11 let's just let's take it down a little bit let's just use some of the hot branding irons let's be cool no they're fucking Mongolians in the 1100s. They're fucking monsters back then. Everyone was fucking monsters back then. He escapes, becomes a legend, and goes, Oh, right. I did say I was going to get married to that woman. Guess I should marry Bort. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he actually had four children with her, and she ended up being his only empress. Like, we'll get into it later. Um, well, we can talk about it now. He did have 500 second wives, as he called them. And he fucked each and every one of them. And the craziest part, I found this out. He was encouraged to go fuck them. Yeah. By his wife. His wife fucking pushed him to fuck as much. Yeah, so this is not even counting his consorts, which are like... However many thousands of other women that he wanted to fuck that he didn't actually consider his wives. But he only had the one empress. Like, he never had her killed. He never uh, left her. Uh, because, you know, those are the only two ways back then. The amount... I, I saw a mathematical equation which meant that he had to have... To reach the amount of people who carry his DNA now, he had to knock up a total of four women every... Three days over the span of his life and still had his main bitch at home keeping her happy. I know I'm focusing on the fucking. <laughs> to the people at home, the ladies listen, I'm not trying to be gross, but fuck me sideways. That is amazing. He has fucking been tortured escaped, murdered family members, came out of the womb holding a blood clot, <laughs> eating corpses, and now he's just knocking up bitches left and right. He is my hero. This is a metal god. Oh god, you're gonna get Caleb on you by calling him your hero. Because we haven't really gotten to the bad stuff of, you know, the 10 to 15 million people that his regime killed. Listen, 
When I say hero, <laughs> clearly every hero is problematic, and I'm not dismissing his actions. That's fair. I'm lonely, Stephen. That's all there is to it. I'm lonely. <laughs> Ladies out there, I'm lonely. So he was seen as, of course, like the world's first genocidal leader. He was the largest contiguous empire in the history after he died. And he was essentially known as the greatest conqueror the world has ever known. And the way he came into power was simply by uniting. He just united small tribe after small tribe into and in, in making them think that he had their best interest and he was going to lead them to victory, which he fucking did. So they just kept joining and kept joining and then all of a sudden, you know, by the time he was finished uniting the small tribes in the Mongol area was 1186. So he was only 24 years old at this time when he's like bringing them all together. Like I'm what I'm the 30. fuck have we done with our lives? I'm almost 33 and I can't even like bring all my dogs together to get them inside. And that is so I think that is one of the most fascinating things about this guy. Yes, I focused on the fucking, but all joking aside, what is so amazing and fascinating about this man is that you know what a bloodthirsty monster he is, a fuck-hungry hound, and yet he is obviously intellectually way the fuck up there he is clearly a shrewd negotiator he has somehow managed to take these insulary groups of very xenophobic people if you're not part of the tribe you're part of the fucking problem we'd rather kill you than have a conversation and has made them forego generations of bred in deep-seated thought process to unite them under one banner and then the coolest part that you hadn't even got to is that this guy throughout his reign managed to become possibly one of the first real progressives. Yeah. He started bringing in men, women, different cultures, different people. You know, you, are you a Caucasian on the Silk Road? Oh, you've got something we can learn and could be of value to me in the long run and my people. You are now part of my court and you shall educate us. Yeah, he was never seen as like this mindless psychopathic lunatic that like a lot of pop culture has kind of uh, thrown in his direction. He was much more calculated. Everything was done for a purpose. And as you said, uh, the word for that is actually uh, meritocracy. And uh, it's basically like this political philosophy that like power and good should be held by the individuals that like based on their talent and effort and achievement and intelligence rather than like heredity or sexuality or race or gender or age. He took the smart people and the the driven and the people that showed initiative and he, he put those people in charge of his groups, his armies. And that's why he conquered because he was the first person to ever do that. Everyone always led their charges by, oh, this person was brother of so-and-so's king. It didn't matter if he had fucking two pieces of brain in his head the size of a quarter. Timishin fucking calculated this shit, and this is why he was so effective. I would like you to meet my cousin. He shall be leading the armies today. His name is Nufnuf. And Nufnuf was born under the second son of the sky, second cousin to king who only has one testicle and half brain 
but he fights very well. <laughs> right. But he is also brother to king. Lead armies, Noof Noof. Right, exactly. Exactly. And that's why no one remembers the tribe of Noof Noof. And traditionally, that's been done throughout, like, evil regimes in history. Like, Hitler did it. Napoleon did it. I mean, honestly, even, like, even in the American Revolution, specific generals that Washington hired were not smart. You know, so it was a little more calculated because it was 100 years later, or 400 years later, rather. 500 years later. Yeah. But, uh, so there was some intelligence there, but... You know, we're, we're building Genghis Khan up as this, like, really awesome guy. But honestly, after all this calculation and all that things, he was still insanely bloodthirsty. And his armies were very brutal. And they uh, annihilated. They didn't just take over, you know, and, you know, that was it. Like, you're you're our people now. It was, uh, no, we're just going to take over and kill everyone. In fact, I'm pretty sure they killed like three-fourths of the people on the Iranian plateau. Three-fourths of an entire population. Like, listen, I am not making... I'm not trying to rewrite history and say he was a great guy. I am not the Netflix show Marco Polo, okay? <laughs> he was a fucking dick, all right? He's an evil bastard. But that, I think, is what makes him so fascinating. And what I get so excited about reading is seeing the utter dichotomy between these personality traits that this man has. It's fascinating because throughout his entire life, he will cut a motherfucker's throat wide open and slaughter an entire family. But at the same time, he can also understand the importance of, hey, this tribe all the way over there that raises horses really well, they'd probably do it a lot better if we could get them better education and maybe show them a new path that doesn't have all the women being used as horse, uh, semen receptacators maybe maybe just maybe let's see if we can do that it's this weird thing that just makes him so fascinating to me and i i truly hope that people who are listening get a chance to just look him up don't watch marco polo because it's <laughs> completely off the handles again with marco polo <laughs> historically speaking it's fucking bullshit this an atrocity Visually, it's beautiful. It's fucking beautifully done. Historically, it's fucked up. <laughs> and in his conquering, like, this comes a little bit later, but like we were talking about earlier, he's the only leader, political leader, to conquer Russia during the winter. Like, Hitler tried it. Napoleon tried it. Both of them failed miserably. But good old Genghis Khan? Nah. Nothing stopping this man. Okay, let me let me just give the audience and you a little story. When I was a kid, I met this guy. We were living in my hometown of Crown Point. You met Genghis Khan? No. I met a gentleman in my hometown of Crown Point, right? This guy was a World War II vet. The entire right side of his face was like burnt. You could tell it was burnt. And now that I know what knife wounds look like, he had... Half his face was burned, hair missing, the whole nine yards, and he had what was very clearly now a knife wound, a knife scar from the back of his head to the bottom of his chin. And as a kid, being the dumb kid I am, I just straight up asked him, I was like, what happened? How'd you get hurt? He seemed taken aback, and then he just looked at me and he goes, in war, there's two things you never do. One, never leave a brother behind. And I was like, okay. 
and without missing a beat, and I wholeheartedly believe he was serious, he goes, and you never fuck with a Russian. And that's all he would ever say about it. So for me to hear Genghis Khan in 1100 with horseback and fucking bow and arrow kicked Russia's ass in winter. <laughs> fucking metal! <laughs> the metalness continues. However, possibly there was someone a little bit more metal than Genghis Khan. And his name was Jamukha. Which sounds like a coffee brand. So as we said in 1186, whenever he was gathering his tribes and whatnot, uh, Genghis Khan actually was challenged by this this leader named Jamuka who had 30,000 troops. And he was Genghis Khan was defeated in battle. Temujin was defeated in battle at this point and basically went radio silent for 10 years. Like there was almost nothing written about this 10-year period where Jamuka was basically ruling with his troops. But after this defeat, Jamuka scared the shit out of his own people because he was boiling his captives alive. Oh! He was boiling Temujin's male troops alive. And he scared his people out of their fucking minds, and they stopped supporting him. But you know they didn't do it. They, they did not disobey him. You know they did. They, you know they may have not supported him, but those fuckers were like, "We don't support you, but we'll do what you want, pal." No, they didn't though. That's the thing. They left. They essentially left, and that allowed Temujin to rise to power again. So this guy essentially, essentially fucked himself by being too crazy. He's like that that guy at the party that gets too fucking drunk. He's like, dude, it was cool. You came here. It was cool. Oh man, please stop drinking whiskey. Ah, dude. Get this fucking asshole out of here. Like, no, you don't tell me what to do. I, I swear to God, I'm the most metal th- when I When I came out of the womb, I was holding a fucking blood clot. And I, f- I fucked an equivalent of 16 million descendants. I'm going to break your fucking door down, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Funny. He breaks the door and knocks some fucking pictures of your family off the wall or something and shatters. But as he's walking out, he's always like, fuck that family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love you, man. I love you. That is this guy. So th- so anyway, uh, his fall brought Temujin's power back. If you look at that, that is a frightening thought of what kind of mind Genghis Khan had. Because... Your average warlord, right, would just kind of fall apart, you know? Especially in, you know, 1180-something, they just fall apart. Early 1200s at this point. Early 1200s, but this man managed to not just keep his power, but consolidate and grow and keep it fucking quiet. You know every night he went to bed, his la- his first thought when he woke up was, Jamuka. And his last thought, Jamuka. That is a frightening fucking man. That is the kind of devotion and dedication to an ideal that we just don't fucking see anymore. He wanted to make himself a Jamuka shake. No... No, you may fucking not. <laughs> we are done with your bullshit right now. <laughs> this is I'm, I'm, I'm breaking out the sexy voice. We are done with your bullshit. How dare you? Like we were saying, he just wasn't a genius on the battlefield. He was also very progressive. And, you know, he used the meritocracy. He used it when he returned to power with different leaders. 
he used that to develop the Silk Road, which the Silk Road brought easier trade between Northeast Asia, uh, Muslim Southeast Asia, and Christian Europe at the time. Not only was he like super savvy on battlefield, but he was also very savvy in getting shit done that benefited his people. Not just benefit his people. But everybody. Changed the course of history. A fucking warlord in Mongolia changed the very fabric of our world by sheer will and genius. And murder. And murder. Listen, I know it sounds like I'm espouting the virtues of him, but I'm not. This is just a guy who did more than any of us will ever do in a hundred lifetimes and managed to do it in 40 fucking years. He lived to be about 65. Fuck! Uh, total. So, I mean, he was he was leading until he died. He died in battle, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine that. They don't know exactly how he died. They just know that he died during the fall of uh, Yunshan and either died uh, in the battle against Western Zaya or died from, like, infection of, of a wound or... They think maybe he was trampled by a horse, <laughs> but maybe all of the above. Maybe he was stabbed and then laying on the ground, got infected and then ran over by a horse. Now, see, for a metal life like him, that's kind of the only way you can go. Well, yeah, but we only have to, let's just add to it. Uh, the horse was also on fire. The horse was on fire by a man whose corpse had been burnt. So it was just a skeleton in, in, in armor. The skeleton was still alive. Screaming. <laughs> Uh, this is definitely a cover <laughs> of like rotting, <laughs> rotting Christ album or something like that. Because at this point, I just feel like the lyrics are gonna be like, "Trampled by a horse and dying in the ground, <laughs> skeleton monster, take him to the sky, Valhalla, Genghis Khan, we we'll meet you, Valhalla, <laughs> not the same culture, but fuck it, Valhalla, Genghis Khan." Yes, I would listen to this. I, I feel like my neighbors are probably going to call the cops on me at some point. That's okay. I'm all... We'll just, just, just skull fuck them and boil them for dinner or whatever the fuck. <laughs> just scream that you are Jamukin at them and then... Oh, uh, I thought I thought you were giving the listeners a hint about a couple episodes from now with our Jeffrey Dahmer episode. <laughs> no, no, no. Just scream that you're Jamuka and then knock them until... Just hit them until they're dead. <laughs> in, in the metal voice. <laughs> so yeah at this point he's dead and he had requested to be buried in an unmarked grave uh somewhere in mongolia so that's what they did you know his spawn went on to create 16 million fucking people so yeah me and you are probably descendants of genghis khan oh no no listen if we were <laughs> any wider you and i would be invisible all right no it doesn't it doesn't matter no there's there's not enough we may pretend to be metal, but we don't even have a shred of that much metal DNA in our bodies. Speak for yourself. All right, I will. <laughs> Do we have enough juice left to talk about Emperor Palpatine? Yes. <laughs> in fact, Stephen, one might say you should do it. All right, let's do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> it sounds like... <laughs> sounds so gross when you do it like that. It sounds like Emperor Palpatine's trying to pick up a rough trick. <laughs> yes, my butt. Do it. 
Stop it! That's so fucking gross! Do it. <laughs> Alright, so let's talk about him. Emperor Sheev Palpatine, portrayed by Ian McDermott in the Star Wars franchise. And uh, he was dangerous in a different kind of way than old Gengi. Old Gengi. <laughs> then we realized we were on, uh, we were on nicknamed basis with this guy. All right, go on. The reason he was dangerous was that he posed as a senator of the Galactic Republic, who is this government that's essentially in charge of the galaxy. And he was posing because he was actually a Sith Lord, Darth Sidious. He was a master manipulator, played both sides uh, in secret at the Sith and playing to be the greater good lover as the senator. What he was doing was playing both sides perfectly to benefit himself and, and raise his own power. And it's really easy to do. It's like playing air hockey with yourself, and and anytime you wanted one side to win, you just stop defending the other side. It's it's very strange. It's almost like we're dealing with that shit right now in our current political system. I just, it's almost like there's this there's this shit speckled Muppet fart that is has like the weird hair that uh, that you know Emperor Palpatine had, who's on the who's on the fucking national stage, just going yeah. I have no clue who you're talking about, Joel. Mothers abort their babies after they're born. Do it. <laughs> Darth Sidious was actually the lord over Count Dooku and Darth Maul, both other villains in the franchise, and eventually Darth Vader, who was the most powerful of all of them. I went to a comic book convention in Chicago. It was my very first one. Never been before. And I'm walking around, and it's Friday. They, they I got the three-day weekend pass, and I'm walking around Friday. And there's, you know, just some guy wearing a nine-foot-tall Galacticus outfit. And i am never seen that before. I've never seen cosplay before. And this short little fucker bumps into me. And not, when I say bump, I mean this man is made of fucking rock. I hit my ass. And he's immediately super nice British guy. He's like, oh, right, sorry, mate. Hey, let me up you up. And he helps me up. And, I, and he's like, I'm so sorry about that. And I'm like, buddy, it's no problem. This is insane. He goes, right, is this your first con? And I was like, yeah, man. So I sit, I stand and talk to this guy for like 15 minutes, you know, just shooting the shit. He's asking me good places in Chicago. I'm like, I haven't been here a while, but, you know, try this pizzeria if it's still open. Try this, try this, try that. And off I go. I was like, cool, I made a British buddy for the day. The next day, at Autograph Alley, there is a line from the back of the convention center, out the door, and onto the sidewalk. And I'm trying to get from one side to the other so I can get hot dogs. And the guys, and the lines are just like, no, sir, we're not going to let you cut in line. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice, Oi! Mate! And I look over at the autograph booth, it's a fucking guy! And I look up, it's Darth Maul! Ray Parks. I got to talk and chat with Ray Parks for like 15 minutes. And he's the nicest fucking guy. I was like, hey man, what's going on? He goes, just working. And then I look up and realize who he was. And I was like, well, you're going to be here for a while. Right, better get back at it. All right, man, you have a good day. The nerds parted like I was Jesus. <laughs> I mean, otherwise known as Toad from X-Men, by the way. Well, we, we don't talk about <laughs> The more notable role, in my opinion, but. <laughs> you mean the more notable role, his role in Heroes Season 5? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go on a tangent. But... No, it's it's hilarious. And it's still talking about a villain, so it still counts, right? But yeah, he, Darth Maul, definitely a very cool guy. <laughs> Not Ray Parks, but Darth Maul. Yeah, Darth Maul. Fuck, fuck some Ray Parks. All right, so let's get back to Palpatine. You know, using kind of this Machiavellian like, deception... 
to create the Clone Wars. He's basically this mastermind behind the Clone Wars. It causes, you know, this concern and this need for immediate emergency powers for him to stay in office long after his terms are, have expired. And he invokes martial law and has the Jedi Order completely executed. Even the children in the Jedi Temple uh, he has executed by Anakin later on, but... Oh no, not the younglings. Yes, the younglings as well. Execute Order right, 66. Exactly. <laughs> Do it. And uh, yeah, so he murdered a bunch of the members of the Jedi Council. Mace Windu kind of gets wind from Anakin that like, this guy... Uh, evil. He's fucking evil. We need to take care of him. So Mace Windu and a couple of badasses from the Jedi Council go to fuck with Palpatine. And Palpatine completely dispatches two of them in literally one second. Like, it doesn't even take a second for him to straight murder two of these Jedi Masters. He's just like, oh, well, fuck you two. Mace Windu's a little bit harder. Mace almost gets the jump on him. Uh, but Anakin has been convinced at this point to join Palpatine. And chops off Mace Windu's hand. Palpatine uses his force lightning. Kills Mace Windu. And this is kind of when everything uh, goes off the rails. When when Palpatine really just becomes all-powerful. Because at this point he's executed the Jedi Council. He's declared himself as, as basically Emperor forever. I will be your Emperor for the Galactic Empire. Right, he changes the Galactic Republic to the Galactic Empire. Became the leader of, like, the most tyrannical and powerful regime that the galaxy had ever witnessed. Ty tyrannical Galactic Empire with a bunch of fucking guys in white suits who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. No, it didn't matter. You got If you have <laughs> enough, statistically, you're going to kill somebody. Yeah, exactly. And that was more, you know, that was more in the older movies. As the movies went on, and especially the newer ones, they were much more accurate, and they had assassin troopers and dark troopers and... All these scout troopers and all these people that actually did. Fucking trying to rewrite history here. I see how it is. Well, you know, of course they're not going to kill the heroes, but the stormtroopers definitely laid waste to basically any kind of civilian populations they wanted to. Fair enough. In honesty, it was a lot like Genghis Khan. I mean, he was... Palpatine was basically growing an army, shifting them from place to place. If they didn't accept the Galactic Empire as their government, then... Burn them all. Kill them all. Yeah, exactly. We ha we'll just destroy your whole fucking planet. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't even It wasn't even like, uh, we'll burn your town. It's like, we will literally obliterate the entire planet. Yeah. And what I've, I've always found that... And this is a thing for, you know, sci-fi, space opera, however you want to put it. Especially Star Wars. Is that I find that the characters are weak in comparison to the overall narrative or where the story is trying to go. I know that Star Wars is guilty of this, but I think a lot of fanboys and a lot of fans overlook it for its just broad sweeping strokes that they focus so much on the overall narrative that the, 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 new the nuances of the character development is kind of lost. Sure. Except and and when they do it, when they do try it, it's very heavy fucking handed and falls flat on their face. But I found in episode one through six, the one character that has con that consistently shows growth in not just his story but his character on film 
is Emperor Palpatine. He is the only truly interesting character in those first three films. I mostly agree with that. I would argue that Darth Vader is there as well, but only because his character is literally hammered on every single movie. Yeah. Large percentages of the movie are about him or including him. So by the end of the trilogy, and really even into the new trilogy where he has such an effect on on newer characters, uh, I think he is well explained. But I definitely agree with you that uh, Palpatine is the most interesting and has a very woven web throughout the series that awesome. Like it is pure villainy. I mean, and not only is he like super cunning and intelligent and, but he's just a master manipulator. He manipulates everything, even down to, uh, even down to Anakin, uh, Anakin's final straw, essentially. He's like, dude, you killed your own wife in your anger. And Anakin doesn't know any better. And of course he accepts this and becomes... No! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're going to leave that part out. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, no, I'm, I'm going to leave it in, but I'm not. we're not going to talk about that. But, you know, he manipulates even his most powerful case. It's unbelievable how crazy interweaved this guy is. It reminds me a lot of Littlefinger from, uh, from Game of Thrones. Oh, which we are most... Definitely going to do an episode on him coming up. Oh, yeah, we have to. So let's talk about his powers a little bit. We already called him this diabolical genius. You know, he's cunning, he's tactical, um, he's intelligent, uh, but he's also extremely skilled with a lightsaber, as we saw. He uses his normal uh, Sith red lightsaber. The Force also granted him with supreme speed, dexterity, agility, uh, and he can fucking electrocute people with Force lightning. Yeah. So... <laughs> that's that's a big win on his part, mm-hmm. I guess. I just like that uh, uh, Palpatine, his character was inspired by like characters like uh, Ming the Merciless from Flash Gordon, as well as Napoleon, Hitler, Julius Caesar, and my personal favorite, Richard Nixon. Yeah, that's some George Lucas stuff right there. Like, yeah, uh, let's take the the fantasy villainy from Flash Gordon, and M- Ming the Merciless is silly, and we're gonna have to talk about Ming the Merciless at, at some point. Yes, please. Right there, you know, I feel like Genghis Khan should have been in here. And it would, it would really surprise me if he wasn't, but, I mean, he's right there in line with Napoleon and Hitler and Richard Nixon, I guess. <laughs> and I, I love the idea of Richard Nixon as Emperor Palpatine. Oh, Anakin, Anakin, <laughs> I am not a crook. The dark side, Anakin, is not that evil. I am not a crook. And the stormtrooper marches were actually based on Russian military marches, too. So I knew that because my dad actually told me that when I was really young. I was like, their marches are weird. And he goes, yeah, that's, that's how the Russians march. I'm like, for real? And he's like, yeah, you didn't know that? No, dad, I'm 10. I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't fucking know that. No, dad, I'm 10. I like that. I love, I love that rebuttal. I'm sure that pretty much all of our listeners have, have seen Palpatine. And if you haven't, then you should do it. Oh my god. Uh, you should look up a picture of him because, you know, he wears a cloak and robes and, you know, a hood over his head to hide his face. And that was actually based on Augustus uh, when he was in his position of uh, Pontifex Maximus, which is like this chief high priest. You know, that's that's Palpatine's entire look base right there. Speaking of, like, high priest, like, religious academics referred to Palpatine as Satan in a theological view of Star Wars. Which a lot of people compare Star Wars to theology. Like, 
Luke Skywalker being Jesus and like, you know, this. There's everything theology. Like, you can go to a fucking Barnes and Noble, there's an entire theology section, and in it is an entire pop culture theology section where they talk about how every movie franchise is just Jesus. To be fair, there are a lot of movies that use religious allegories. I mean, The Matrix, Man of Steel, for fuck's sake. We uh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. But I've always enjoyed that. Just, yeah. the, just reading, because I always enjoy when someone, even if it's the kookiest fucking thing, and I've said this about movies, I like it when people, whatever their art is, swings for the fucking uh, fences every time. And... You know, if you're writing a book in which you are trying to find the religious allegories and uh, similarities between Judeo-Christianity and Star Wars universe, and you actually go out and do the fucking work and swing for the fences, I'm going to read your shit because that's dumb as hell, (laughs) but kind of impressive. Yeah, that's fair. It's a level of dedication I don't have, so I gotta respect that person's level of dedication. I don't like their shit, but I gotta respect their dedication. It makes sense, a little more sense with Star Wars, too, because the storyline is so black and white. You know, it's it's good and evil, essentially, but, you know, it makes sense that they compare Palpatine to Satan because he's so such a tempter and, uh, has those infernal powers and is leading this army of faceless men in red it all in red with you know the weird shaped heads oh yeah right right my personal favorite was the one i remember seeing this at church when i was a little kid like they played a video like a movie with those you know those weird like propaganda scare films and they were talking about how uh boba fett represents uh pontius pilate as he did not, you know, he remained silent and washed his hands. Notice how Boba Fett never speaks. And he's never truly active until the day he dies. Much like Pontius Pilate. And I'm just like, alright, that's a bit much. I just want to go go ahead and put out there that we will never be doing an episode on Boba Fett. Because he sucks. And never did anything. And... Fuck you, Cheats McGee. I was going to argue with you, but you threw in the fuck you, Cheats McGee. So I'm like, you know what? I stand, I, I 100% throw my weight behind that statement. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Palpatine's death because we're coming to the end of his regime. And basically, at this point, Luke Skywalker shows up and he wants Vader to, to bring Luke over to the dark side to add even more power, not only to extinguish what's left of, of the Jedi, but also to bring more power over to the dark side. Uh, when Luke denied him, Palpatine basically tries to murder him with lightning. Like he is, he is just about to murder Luke, and Vader just picks his ass up and throws him down this like abyss. <laughs> like he, it's like the the ultimate yeet. He's like, oh, yeet, and then throws his ass down the fucking. What the fuck? Down the abyss. I gotta ask, what the fuck does yeet mean? I have heard that. It's just a statement for <laughs> for doing something just like unexpectedly. Like <laughs> hitting somebody. There, I watched all the MCU movies in the last month and there's a lot of yeet moments. Oh, okay. I, like, like when Hulk like punches Thor out of nowhere, he's just like, yeet! <laughs> okay, I get it now. Then, then your then your description of this event make perfect sense to uh, you know the middle aged white guy who has no clue what the fuck kids are saying these days. I'm really sorry I missed that. 
the mo- the moment I start saying it, it's no longer going to be cool. I can just see it now. So yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's the end of. Well, I don't want to say it anymore. I'm going to cut that out. That entire yeet section's got to go now. Okay, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the end of Palpatine, uh, and you know we did it. Yes, 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 we did. <laughs> oh, we did do it. Yes, we did. This whole episode has just been. One manic babble after another, and to be frank with you, I love it. It's it's really uh, characteristic of these two people, honestly. I guess not not so much. They were more calculated. So yeah, it's nothing alike. It's a no, no for Con, for Genghis Khan. It's very much alike. It was a very controlled manic. Genghis Khan showed definite, definite like traits of serial killers, like. The absolute berserker mode and the years of calm, steady, progressive growth into the monster he would eventually become and cold and calculating. Yeah, yeah. Genghis Khan. But also smashing people's heads open. That Hence the berserker mode. <laughs> right. Let's talk about the bowler scale and whether they're redeemable. I gotta put these guys at the tippy top of the scale. Aside from... Like, I feel like giving Palpatine a 10, because I feel like there's no redeeming his shit. Oh, no. Absolutely not. He was blowing up planets. Billions of people. Like, billions of people were dying. Yeah, he built a machine specifically designed to destroy entire worlds. You are a 10 (laughs) on the evil bowler hat scale. There is no coming back from this. (laughs) You said, I'm going to do it. And you fucking did it. And you you went all the way, you evil son of a bitch. And I feel like Genghis Khan is there too. But I kind of want to give him like a 9.5 for the progressiveness. I did too. I gave him a 9.5, and I know I'm going to come across as a a, a, uh, a, a Genghis Khan... <laughs> apologist. Apologist, and I'm really not, but he gets a 9.5. Murderous evil bastard. I mean, 15 million. <laughs> yeah, 15 million. But a brilliant... I, I kind of feel like, minus the murder, this is a guy we need in today's political <laughs> climate. <laughs> Oh, you said it. You're going to say it, and then you said it. <laughs> and what do we fucking have? It's going to be great. I'm going to build a wall. It's going to be fabulous. It's going to be gold-plated. It's going to have the blood of our enemies sac- sacrificed on the ground. It's going to be fabulous. This fucking guy. I, I keep forgetting this isn't a political show. But he gets... Khan's uh, going to have to get a... Genghis is going to have to get a 9.5. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I, I don't feel bad about it. I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm going to feel bad about the hate tweets I get. I mean, he's not redeemable by any means. No, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. So, neither of these fuckers are, are redeemable at all. Because they're the worst. But, he's just not quite there. He's not quite at planet... He's not quite at planet blowing up proportions. He didn't execute Order 66 level evil. Uh, he sort of did. But he, but he would, he would never execute the Death Star plans because what Genghis Khan would do is he would take over those planets, like those planets would become his planets. He wouldn't give up those resources and give up the intelligent people that could come out of those planets and become part of his regime. Fair enough. He would want that rather than just saying "fuck it" and destroying it. So I, I agree. Nine point five. 
9.5. Yep. I'm, I'm, I think this is the first time we're really in agreement on someone. Yeah, for sure. How, on, on their evil redeemability. And it's. I'm sorry, it has to be a guy who would destroy his planets and kill 10 to 15 million people and sired enough offspring that 16 million descendants of his. That's literally more people than like all but four of the state United States, uh, the separate states populations. Like, that's more people than are in either one of our states right now. I had not thought about that. Jesus. <laughs> and here I am, home alone. <laughs> in your closet. <laughs> in my closet. Literally and metaphorically, according to some people. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the listener feedback. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read the feedback from Kinsey. She said, listening to the Bonnie Parker podcast, I guess you could say Henry wasn't methvin around. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I appreciate that so much, by the way. Kinsey, Kinsey, <laughs> you beautiful, beautiful individual. The fuck are you doing? <laughs> the fuck are you doing? She went on to say, I feel like when I'm listening to your podcast, I'm talking to you. So I'm just going to keep randomly saying shit out of nowhere to you. Also, Joel sounds like Nathan Lane. What the shit? <laughs> I told her that we should just say you are Nathan Lane to get popularity, like, all the way until the point where Nathan Lane finds out, and then we'll just stop doing Cause it. Because that's the funny thing is, is, at my old job, they would, the <clears throat> I did at-home care for mentally challenged adults, and one of the guys, the only way I could get him to calm down was either talk like this big dude who used to work there, who calmed him down, he's from uh, Johannesburg, and the other was to do a quick five-second you know, Lion King impression where one guy would go, you know, Timon, and I would go, Pumba! Pumba! <laughs> and that would calm him down, and then you say, fuck, it sounds like Nathan Lane. <laughs> well, I mean, and to your credit, that means you kind of also sound like Billy Crystal, too, so. Have fun to storm in the castle, boys! <laughs> Billy Lane. <laughs> and here's our feedback from Sean. Hi, boys. I was just listening to the Ed Gein slash Norman Bates episodes again. Again, nice. As I just can't wait a whole week for the next episode to drop. Steven mentioned the walking pile of shit at Denny's that said Rocky V was one of his favorite movies. It is indeed the worst Rocky movie, but I have a, so a soft spot for it in my heart because there are certain additions to the Rocky mythos that are redeemable. Is it the worst boxing movie, though? Negative. That title goes to the 1987 Jason Bateman abortion, Teen Wolf 2. Who would actually get in the ring with a goddamn werewolf? <laughs> Nobody. Sean, I'd like to thank you for that stream of consciousness. That was, that was brilliant and better than 95% of the shit I've said in the past hour. Yeah, like, I love how Sean left <laughs> feedback on this, like, crime pop culture podcast. But it's... <laughs> I guess it's the pop culture part of it, <laughs> but, like, it's about the, the like, smallest section of that episode. How long was that episode? That was, like, an hour and ten minutes, and he takes a three-minute conversation, and the feedback we get is, who would get in a ring with a goddamn werewolf? Let me tell ya. Yeah. No one. Uh, well, that's why I love Sean, and so thanks for listening, man. Uh, I'm glad that you're re-listening to the podcast. That's really flattering, and, uh... Uh, there's been a couple episodes posted since then, so we hope that you're uh, you're enjoying that. And I know you're going to enjoy this one because you're such a Star Wars buff. So Either he's going to love it or he is really, really going to hate it. Like, I am going to wake up one day with, like, a knock at my door. 
<laughs> and I'm like, hello, and it's just this guy I've never seen before. Yeah, he's like 6'6". Six, six. Oh, so he's going to tower the fuck over me. <laughs> just like, hey, man, what's going on up there? Are you fucking talking to me about goddamn Star Wars? <laughs> No, sir. And then I just get fucking stabbed in the throat. No explanation. Just a quick old stab to the throat. All right. I'm sorry. Stab in the, he's going to stab me in the throat and just go, God damn werewolf. And then walk the fuck away. And that's how I get to go into the great beyond, wondering what the fuck he's talking about, what the fuck just happened. And who he was. I don't even think I'm going <laughs> to care at that point. I'm going to want to know what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> Yeah, so let's go ahead and wrap things up for episode five of uh, the Curly Mustache Podcast. We hope you've been enjoying these last few episodes. Uh, we appreciate all the love that we've been getting. And uh, just remember that you can find us on Spotify, on iTunes, or on United Cypher's website. Uh, anything you can do to help, we love and appreciate so much. Uh, from the likes, the shares, follows, comments, subscribes, like you name it. And we love you for it. Just remember, folks, that every comment and rating that you give us helps the exposure of the show and gets us a little higher on the iTunes rating list. So if you want us to, uh, you know, become mainstream and take over the podcasting world, we're going to need each of you to leave a really, uh, you know, let's just say a five-star review. Because, you know what? <laughs> no one likes those fuckers who live a four-star no one likes that. Yeah, if you're going to leave a four-star review, then just, just fuck off. Ex yes, let's insult the audience. <laughs> That's really going to work. Fuck you guys! And your goddamn generosity and time of listening to our shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't care. Even if it's a one-star review. If you took the time to listen to us talk about nothing, <laughs> then, you know, whatever. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, our handle there is the Curly Mustache Podcast. Uh, our handle on Twitter is a little different. It's at the curly mustache, but only with a C and one. So it's uh, it's interesting. I guess they didn't want us to have the full Twitter handle of the curly mustache podcast. Twitter couldn't handle the full mustache. You can shoot us some feedback on all of those platforms, and we'll address it on the show. We'll also talk, you know, back and forth on social media. Before we go, I do want to take a little bit of time to plug a couple more podcasts from United Cipher. Uh, you can check out Music Video Countdown and my other podcast, Motion Picture Meltdown. Uh, current episodes of those are currently uh, current episodes of those are running. Uh, you can also listen to some older episodes of Talks Over Games, Fallout Forecast, and the Anime Alphabet. Um, and also give a listen to some of the other podcasts that we love, like Nerdonomy uh, and the Whiskey Reel. Both of those, uh, our buddy Sean that just left some feedback, he's a host on both of those. Uh, Sean versus Wild, different Sean. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Also, check out Sorry to Waste Your Time and Code Yellow, a Scare Actors podcast. And with that being said, I'm Steven. I'm do it. Joel. <laughs> and make sure you stay evil. <laughs> do it. Oh my god, it sounds like he's getting fucked. <laughs>